1: We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stopper. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 chat.
0: 133 in Edmonton. Royal Pizza Pizza pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza offers curbside pickup and takeout options. For a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations, go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Only because it's Thursday and our next guest is a vegan. The stoffer recommendation at Royal Pizza is the meat lovers. Hello, George. How you doing?
1: <laughs> Talking about meat lovers before we're having... You, yes.
0: <laughs> having, a li- having a little bit of fun there, George. Uh, do they, they do vegan pizza over there? Uh, you know what? I don't have the menu in front of me. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. It. Well,
1: they do. A vegetarian. Is that not a vegan pizza? No, it's not. No. What are the chance that I could turn you vegan one day? No
0: chance. No <laughs> chance. <laughs>
1: Thanks for being honest. At least you're
0: honest. I'm up front. There is no chance. No, George, <laughs> I like, I have, I have beef at least three times a week and chicken at least three times a week. So yeah. And, and on the day, other, day. and on the other day, I just drink and don't eat. So <laughs> yeah, but does your body need pizza? Oh, uh, it's, a d- it's a question. It's a question.
1: George, it,
0: George, it depends on how much I drink as to whether or not I need pizza. <laughs> so isn't that the age-old question? So, <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, hey, yeah, I, I, we'll get to some of uh, the serious stuff in a second here. Uh, you know, you were, you were, you were the the arguably, or I don't, I don't know if you ever called yourself the heavyweight champ of the NHL, but you were certainly amongst your peers. Uh, but you're not born that way. And I, I I know we've talked about this once before, but I was going through uh, YouTube, and Jack Michaels makes fun of me watching hockey fights all the time. When you were a sixteen-year-old, and Suvin, uh, Sylvain Bluen was like nineteen or twenty, did he yeah. ki- did he kind of get you know force you to fight when you? I think it was like your first fight in junior, right?
1: Yeah. Was that what what happened is uh, my first fight in junior. I was sixteen years old and all my friends that I played the year before Midget triple they were all there watching. So, oh. I was there and, and, and I kind of knew when I was 16 that if I wanted to make it in the NHL with my size, yeah. uh, I, I would have to fight. When I was, It's crazy because when I was playing minor hockey, I was a goal scorer. I was scoring goals that was faster than everybody. Sure. But when, sure. But when puberty hit me, <laughs> I slowed down a bit. So, it, it wasn't kind of the same thing, so I knew if I wanted to play in the NHL, I have to fight. So, I remember that game... Um, and Bloin was the toughest guy in the league in the queue at that time. And, yep. and I was like, because all my friends from the AAA were there in the stands, and they were like, uh, I, was, I told the guys on my team that I was going to fight him. And guys on my team were like, George, don't do it. He's the toughest guy in the league. You, you got to work your way up first. You're not there yet. And yep. because I'm so stubborn, I didn't care. I said, no, I'm going after him. So during the warm-up, when I was skating, Michel Turian, which was coaching Laval, he was mocking me, I was like, "Hey, LaRoque, you think you're tough? Go try blowing, try blowing." He was, he was taunting me in a warm-up. And it was already in my mind to fight him, so I didn't care what he was singing. so I'm fighting him anyway because all my friends were there. So anyway, you, you could see the fight that's on YouTube. I, I fought him, and I didn't touch him once, and, and, he, and he hit me a bunch of time. And, and there's one punch that he gave me. it kind of it uh, broke my vein in my nose. And I was okay. bleeding. I was bleeding okay. tons. And I went I went down, and, and I was bleeding tons, and I was covered in blood. So I had to go, uh, you know, in the dress room to hold my nose and stuff. It wasn't broken, but a, a vein popped out. So so anyway, I was in a room and stuff, and my dad was actually watching the game. So I, uh, my dad comes and sees me. And you know how every parent would react when their son is covered in blood and just lost yeah. a fight, right? Yeah. My dad comes in a room. You know what he said to me? What? My dad said... So what are you going to do now? Are you going to become a man? Or are you going to go hide behind your mom's skirt? That's what my dad said to me. I was covered in blood. And, and I looked at my dad, and it's the worst thing to say to a kid. that just got beat up, right? Yeah. And I looked at him, and I said, I'm going to be a man. And ever since then, I never lost a fight again. And not just that. Every time I fought someone for the longest time, that's my dad's face that I saw. That's how much I hated him. That's the face that I saw, and that's the motivation that I had when I was fighting, because I never liked it. It was never in me, but I knew that's what I had to do to be in the NHL. But, you know, the way that I was raised with the belt, and my dad was pretty severe with me, and that's the stuff that he says to me when something like that happened. I yep. was pretty mad at him for a while. But, yeah, it was, uh, you know, my dad came from Haiti and a really tough background, grew up in the Duvalier times, so that's the way that he was raised in a, in a tough environment. And it's just, that's how you raised me too. So it, the, way, the, the way that I became a player in the NHL is kind of a way that that I have to, you know, all my youth, I had to fight against racism because, you know, it, it was, pre- especially you, when you yeah. played hockey, it was all over the place. And at home, I was right. getting, like, uh, beat up by my dad. So it, it was a tough upbringing, but it, made, it, it gave me character. And it gives me strength. And uh, with all that, with all the obstacles that I had, maybe the person that I am today. But, but, I tell you my story, and that's why I talk about it in my book because I know I'm not the only one that grew up in violence and upbringing and lots of stuff. But uh, there's a lot of stuff that I love to share with people to help them uh, go through some of the battles that some people might have to go through.
0: Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Did did you ever like did Sylvain Luen not want to fight you when he saw you three or four years later?
1: Exactly. We are playing in the American Hockey League when I played and He was there. He was playing with Biggington, in- the farm team of the Rangers. Right. And uh, Eric Kearns was there, too. Uh, and, and I was chasing him on the ice. I was chasing blowing. And I was 20 years old. He was older than me. He was, he was like 24, something like that. Right. And he wanted nothing to do with me. He was running away. Because I, I, I was always in my mind, if I ever play him again, uh you know i'm gonna get him back and i uh, know he didn't want you you wanted nothing to do with me so i ended up fighting uh, eric kearns and i it was played a, him big uh, yeah, a big guy kearns yeah, is a big guy a big guy fight. and then and then i played him when he made the nhl with the wild minnesota wild and he never looked at me and even threw a. he didn't even threw a body check uh when i when when we we're playing the wild when he, when i was there because he knew that uh, nice. as you looking for him and stuff <laughs>
0: George, there was a guy ended up being a uh, MLA in Edmonton. His name is Steve Young. He was a cop for a number of years, police officer on EPS. And I guess when, we, when I was in grade 9 and he was in grade 7, we were playing flag football, and I straight-armed him and knocked him like drilled him right in his face and he was all embarrassed and so you know this happened like when i was you know 15 and he was 13 or i was 14 and he was 12 and i was a pretty big kid at 14. so years later I'm on the bus doing the play-by-play with the Golden Bears, and this re- re- Steve is drafted by the New York Islanders. Now he's six foot four and 220 pounds. Then he comes up to me on the bus. He goes, "Hi, I'm Steve. You're Stoffer, right?" I go, "Yeah." He goes, "Yeah, you you uh, you drilled me in the face. Uh, you straight me playing football. Yeah, it, when we were when I was a grade 7, I'm like, "What?" Like, I had no idea, like, you know, but it's different because I didn't sit there and go after. That's one of the things in junior. When you were a 19-year-old in the Quebec League, did you not want to fight 16-year-olds? Because, you know, like, I know Brad DelGarno was 16. He fought Bob Probert when Probert was 19. And and DelGarno was like you, a big, strong, you're obviously a better fighter. Brad could play a little bit of hockey as well, like you could. But
1: did you try to avoid fighting 16-year-olds because of that age difference when you were 19? I never, I never did. I, you know, I, not just that I never fought 16-year-old, but in the NHL, I didn't want to fight lightweight. You know, I, I always remember there's one game when Edmonton were playing uh, Phoenix. And I fought, uh, I fought Leach. I don't remember his first name. Stephen Leach. Yeah, Stephen Leach. Leach because he, I, remember. I think he hit McCammon or something like that, and and I kind of had no. And then I looked at him, and he dropped the glove right away. Yeah. And, and I once punched him, but but I felt very bad because I know in my weight category, fighting yeah. a lightweight, it's not fair, and you never want to hurt someone, and uh, you know, and and I, and I don't want to kill anyone because. You know, th- th- there's another thing that my dad did to me, and he traumatized me, and that's also one of the reasons why, Bob, I would, al- I would always stop when I start, start, start hitting guys when they were down. Yeah. And I remember even one time you criticized me because he said I wasn't mean enough and I should keep going. But one time my dad, when he saw me uh, fighting a guy and, 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 uh, and I stopped, my dad was like, why did you stop? And I was like, because I already went, I don't have to humiliate him, and I don't have to hurt him when he's down because I don't want to hurt somebody. My dad was like, you should kill someone. If you kill someone, they're going to respect you more. Nobody's going to want to fight you. He was literally, he meant I should kill someone like as they should die. So even more after he said that, and I realized how dangerous that it was, especially how big that I was, and I was a lefty. Well, you could do it. I was stopping even more because what is the point? What is the yeah. point? You know, what's the point of beating somebody when he's already on the ice, it's done, he's in a verbal position and you could give him more damage, then you have to live with that the rest of your life. You know how bad I feel about the fact that Stu Grimson has to retire because of me and I called him to apologize because after a fight he had re- recurring concussion, he couldn't play anymore and, and he played in the NHL for so long. This is you never wanna be in in, in, in the other end of it, being the person that caused that, you know, because People, they have life to live. Like, they have passion. It's their dream to play in the NHL. And I never want to be the guy in that position. Same thing that happened with Brent Myers and, and so many other guys that had to retire after we fought. You know, and I feel so bad about it because the goal of, of fighting and all that for the energy, the team and everything, it's never to hurt somebody, to kill somebody or to send someone to the hospital. To me, anyway, that's what it was. Maybe right. for some other guys. They loved it, but you knew me as a person the way that I was. You, yeah, you, know? you weren't, you,
0: you weren't like, like, you know what? Like we, we've talked about this before, George. Yeah, Dave, many times. Dave Brown, Dave Brown would finish guys off. And now, it, now, if a guy's on his back, George, and you got him down, and he punches you when he, when you're on top of him and you're so strong you could probably control him anyways but would you punch him back if he was if he was on his back and tried and he well, tried to get a rabbit punch in on you would you smoke well, him back in that
1: situation you know it never happened but of course you would if somebody if you stop and somebody's on his back and he's doing that then of course that you would but it never happened because i think that It didn't take too long, Bob, that the fighters, they knew the way that I was, that I wasn't a mean fighter, that I stopped. Everybody knew that. And they think, you know, when you go on a penalty bench and and, and you get your five-minute major and, and the guy's, thank you, you know, good, you know, I'm good it makes you feel the guy recognized what you did how you stopped and how much more he respects you for it talk yep. to any guy in my era when I fought; were they gonna ask him how I was you never, never you never showed
0: up you never showed a guy up I mean the one guy the one guy that kind of took advantage of how nice you were as a fighter was Donald Brashear right
1: yeah you, you, when, you, you, yeah when I was in Pittsburgh and I, I, I stopped three four times and he went down and he kept yep. going I I lost it on the bench and I said uh, I'll never do that again I'll never stop again uh, because when he did that I was so mad because I stopped every time and then I let him back up I got him down again and it would a punch he go, got back up and then when I think it's over the referee comes in then he then he goes so yeah you're right he, but he didn't also had the respect like of all the tough guys because of antics like this you know like if you a lot of tough guys didn't like that like you don't show like you know especially i asked molly max holly he thinks of sure i know it's sad what he did back to him but you know the respect with all my years, the uh, toughest job to do i think is one of the most yeah. important things to have
0: well brishear would sit there he'd bring guys in tight he'd noogie you with rabbit punches the antics that he would have at times—you, you, you know—you totally had him in a position where he was down and out. You let him up, and he comes up and he swings at you and tries to buckle you. Like that was, but that's Donald Brashear. He was that guy. George, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you on the spot here, and you've really shared some pretty uh, uh, hard topics there. So thank you for doing that. But I'm gonna get you to put your analyst hat on, Matt Murray. Now, I'm not a big Matt Murray guy. He's going to, you know, arbitration-wise, he's got a great case. Not sure it's going to go to ARB. Advise the Oilers feds here based on what you've seen of Matt Murray with
1: Pittsburgh and Montreal. Would you go get him if you were Ken Holland? Okay, first of all, I think I've seen him many times because, you know, obviously being down east and covering radio and seeing Pittsburgh play all the time and, and the big uh rivalry with with pittsburgh and montreal because there's a couple of french kids that plays and and pittsburgh and you know when flurry was there and latin is there and when when dupree was there like you know i watched that team a lot and i've heard from the rumors that the others were interested in murray and yeah. you right called away, you, like, you called me you called me i i sent you a text and i was like and i called you and i said like, bob it would be the biggest mistake if the others go get Matt Murray. Matt Murray is done. You know, ever since, like, he, ever since this couple years ago, stuff happened to him, and, and he lost his father. He's not the same goalie as he was wow. when they won the Cup. And okay. you can't get a guy because you saw he won the cups before. He can't stop a beach ball. The reason why they lost against Montreal is because Matt Murray, clearly, was out duel by Price, who isn't anyway, but he's not the same goalie. When you have a sub-season of 900% saving percentage when you have a team like the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, it it doesn't make any sense to go after a goalie like that. Right now, Ken Allen has a lot of pressure to to, to get a goalie to come to Edmonton, but not to get a problem goalie that is going to be a project that you hope is going to work on a rotation with Koskinen. You need a goalie ultimately that's gonna play more game than Koskinen because Koskinen is a good backup. But but he's not a guy that would do and that I will alternate to do maybe half and half all the games because he's not good enough but you're stuck with that Charlie contract. So I look at Murray and the way that he is there's a lot of team that, like, because right now the goalies are so important. There's many teams that need the number one goalie now. So maybe one team will go after him because they don't have they don't have any other option. But it would be the biggest mistake for the Oilers, especially with the salary that he commands, to go after a guy like that. You know, I would love a guy like Leonard. And you know what? If if Vegas wins the Cup or if Leonard do good and they give him an extension, let's let go and he has two other years. He might go get the get flower. Larry. Go get, Go get Flower. Exactly, get Flower. He Yes, two other years, six. I think seven, uh, seven million a year, something like that. Get him. It's, it'll be way better. than all the goalies he had in, in the last couple of years He's a really good goalie. He'll improve the the, the, uh, the others in that position. Buy uh, buy out uh, buy out Kaskinen's contract after that to free up some money. But you know, a guy like Flower, it's a gamer, a guy that that trains so hard, a guy that wants to win. It would help the others.
0: George, George, Matt Murray. George, I'm just going to give you a stat. You talked about, I love Carey Price. I think Carey Price is the best goalie in the league. He had a 909 save percentage this year in Montreal. Miko Koskinen was at 917. I mean, obviously, Price was better in the playoffs. That's a given. But Koskinen saw a lot of action this year. He was, he had a, the Oilers had, people forget this, George. The Oilers had above average save percentage in the National Hockey League. They were 14th. One final one for you i've been wrong lots over the years anybody that's uh, had the misfortune of listening to the show on a regular basis can attest to that uh what was your initial thoughts when the shea weber for Kerry price trade happened and do you have a different thought four years later between shea, shea weber and Kerry, or sorry shea weber and pk suban what was your initial thoughts when that trade occurred and what do you well, think about that trade now
1: Okay, well, the initial thought is I thought that, uh, you know, Montreal got raped, you know, because Subban was younger. Uh, he was playing in the NHL where it was much faster. And yep. because of the way that the game is now, uh, you know, it's all act about speed. Piquet was in his prime. Uh, you know, he, 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 the way that he was going, you knew that, like, you know, he was, you know you he, he thought he was get he's going to win a couple of Norris. So yep. right away, uh, a lot of people were surprised to get, a guy Weber, which is still good, but it's more on the decline of his career than, than 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 climbing. So at that time when they did that, yeah, he I thought knew, it was bad. I I, I I knew when they did that though is because of of, the, of his teammates that uh, went to the GM didn't didn't want him as a teammate anymore. So there's more than just right. You know, there's much more than just that. But at first, like many people, like criticized the Canadian for that trade.
0: Yeah, and as it's turned out,
1: um, Weber's been out. As a well, out, Montreal won the trade it's yeah. crazy but you know you a trade like that you judge it over time right yeah and PK's career uh, you know went Tolo in the opposite direction that we all thought uh, PK's a great guy and, and and I love him like a brother but he because he seems more interested in in whatever distraction there is outside of hockey I think it took a toll on this game itself and when he went to Nashville and then they, they traded him and then he went to, to Devils and I heard again that he tried to trade him and then one, that's one of the reasons that Shiro got fired when they, when they went to everything they give to, 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 to get him and a season that he had which was terrible. And now with the injury and the way that he plays, he's not the same anymore. Clearly Montreal. And then Weber goes back to the All-Star game, still putting up points. And at his age, you know, he did really good in the playoffs. And now he looks, again, like it, like his gold, good old self, and he finds a way to contribute. Montreal won that trade now. And I'm not afraid to say it after all those years. George, great stuff.
0: Love having you on the show, man. You take care, okay? Anytime, brother. All right, thanks a lot. That's George LaRock. He was bringing it today. 152 in Edmonton. We'll take a timeout. You're listening to Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stauffer on Oilers Radio 630 Chat. 153 in Edmonton, Haji has texted us on the Ashley Fine Flores text line. Bob, Thursdays are the best days for Oilers Now. Just curious, if George had answered the bell when you rang it, uh, who do you think would be hosting Oilers Now? Oilers Now with Mark Spector? Shivers. Uh, Thanks, uh, George, for not uh, smoking Bob from Haji. You know, I, I think that many of you listening to the show right now that are a little bit competitive probably have occasionally made decisions that you're looking back at it going, geez, I maybe shouldn't have gone that course of action, but, uh, yep. Got uh, obliterated in non-contact, uh, joking around hockey and got up and skated right over and, uh, foolishly asked somebody to dance. And I was very lucky he didn't because, uh, I mean, he would just pick me up and throw me around. I mean, that's what he can do. He was that strong. Um, And, I mean, he's (laughs) pretty honest as well as you heard on the show today. So uh, the point I was making about uh, uh, Subban trade, I thought the same thing. When the Subban for Weber happened, I was like, why does this deal happen? And how does Montreal win the trade? And four years later, P.K. Subban is no longer a member of the Nashville Predators. In fact, New Jersey just dumped them for nothing. And Shea Weber was part of what Kevin BX, who's a very good analyst, refers to as the trident in Montreal, along with former oiler Jeff Petrie. Um, who's the third guy there? Number eight. Uh, what's his name? Guy used to be, oh, Sherratt, Ben Sherat Wow. We're talking a bit about this guy over the last couple of days. Let's go to the stay in order. history back at the 630 Chat Studios. Brendan Escott. In 2009, the Oilers signed free agent forward Mike Comrie to a one-year deal worth $1.125 million after six seasons away from Edmonton. In his first action back in Copper and Blue, he assisted on all four our goals in a 4-0 preseason win over Florida, and then he missed a big chunk of that season with Mono and wasn't resigned. All right. Uh, yeah, Mike uh, Comrie uh, had... Some real good times as an Edmonton Older scored a big overtime goal against the Dallas Stars. Was that in 01 or 03? I think it was in 03. Reed Wilkins, uh, not on tonight because it's game two of Vegas against Snow. Game three. Game three tonight. Vegas and the Dallas Stars. Series tied 1 1. Tomorrow from NHL Hockey on Rogers for the River Cree Resort Casino, Elliot Friedman, we'll have Adam Cracknell, and, and what a hockey journey he has gone on. Uh, he'll be on tomorrow around 1 o'clock, and Jack Michaels from the Oilers Radio Network. Up next, the news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 chat Afternoons with uh, Jalen Nye. This song was number one at this time back in 1988. And remember it well. Was heading off to the U. little GNR to close out. Have a terrific Thursday, everybody.